Thank you for making the time so that we can uh, start these chats in preparation for our spring learning series, which is going to start off with uh, a conversation with the two of you, the founders of the organization, about one of the core concepts, uh, which is community equity building. I'm actually going to start here before we get started to kind of maybe set, set the tone is in preparing for this conversation and for the spring learning, of course, spending a lot of time getting into some NHI literature. And there was a segment of the first book, Third Reality, Crafting a 21st Century Latino Agenda here, uh, where in the chapter Responsibility for the New, Ernesto, it actually, my take, I'm not going to read the whole story, but in the first part of the chapter, you tell the story in 1957 uh, about a car. And of course, the students, parents, our our members and trainers will will have an opportunity to read it for themselves. But in that story, there's a segment where you write, As Latinos move forward in this new millennium, working towards greater self-reliance and self-direction as a community may be better than either working to assimilate into the American mainstream or pursuing social reform and justice. While these strategies worked in the past, they may not prove as useful in addressing future Latino needs. A different outlook and a new culturally unifying social vision of community need to be crafted. This vision must also be one that allows Latinos to build from within while also contributing to the American experience at the Institute. This vision is defined by a concept often referred, or now we regularly refer to it as community equity building. Community equity building encourages the pursuit of principles that guide future leaders to channel their skills and talents inward to strengthen the economic, social, cultural, and intellectual capacities of the Latino community. Equity building also involves redefining relations between Latinos and other cultures that comprise the American community. It sets into motion the redefinition of the Latino identity from that of a minority, a race, or a third world community to a global culture of interconnected nationalities able to work together and pursue common goals. Now, that was, of course, almost 20 years ago, right? And what do those words say to you, your own words, as we prepare for this spring learning and talking about community equity building uh, in the organization? Well, you asked a very profound and long question, uh, but thanks for the uh, Let me first address something. You know, currently here in Austin, we are experiencing a, a concern expressed by the community about school closures. And and I find it fascinating because it deals with the idea of community equity building and it deals with the idea of looking at a different model. We, as as an activist, as a a community civil rights activist in my much younger days, uh, change to us was changing the existing system the existing practice, the existing view. And we played was twofold. One is bringing it to the attention of the officials. And two is describing the damage being done and the harm and the injury and justifying, therefore, the need for change. Here we are 50 years later, 40 years later, 30 years later, 
And we're talking about the unfairness of school closures. And what's interesting to me about that is that what we have today, in this case, Latinos, is in key policy decisions paralyzed by their own fear about making decisions that deal with the inequities. So so community social so community equity building does not mean simply hire brown faces and put them in important positions because they're always going to be expected to protect the status quo. And that's what we're facing in Austin. We're not dealing with and across the board and you can see this in colleges and universities. You can see this in in large business interests. You can see where you have the first Latina or the first Latino to do this or that. And it's always about protecting the status quo. And it's still and it still is is uh, emblematic of the social justice movement, the civil rights movement, and so forth. Um, so um, the, the idea then of community equity building came about is how do you strengthen the the value of the Latino community across various levels of consideration? Their economic, their social, their cultural, their educational equity, value, and so forth. How do you do those things? How, how do you make those things happen? Well, to me, civil rights had its right and rightful place in the sun. But as we move forward towards the so-called diversity issue where everybody is concerned with diversity, at least on, on a first name, on the first round basis, I don't see diversity answering the question. I see diversity as being reflective of the status quo because you may have brown faces, black faces, Native American faces, and women in those roles, but is it changing the structure? Is it changing the culture of the American mainstream? The answer is clearly no. And what's the evidence to that? Income gaps. Different levels of educational attainment. All kinds of markers can be used to measure whether or not that approach, in fact, has worked. And in my view, it hasn't. So in order for NHI to pursue a different pathway, we had to invent and construct a different paradigm, a different thought process, a different set of beliefs. And we had to answer the question of what were those beliefs and how did you measure them and how did you conduct the work? That's when the whole idea, Julio, came about about third reality. We had to change the mindset from the binary of, oh, all we have to do is put a few brown faces up there or a few women, the binary of that's making it to or, or staying where we were and create a construct, a social construct that allowed the community to be inventive and creative and aggressive and moving towards common goals and endeavors, i.e. community equity building and measuring how we do that and through what channels and by what means. And it's a very complicated thing. It's like changing horses in midstream. And uh, that's what we did. That's NHI brings to light an entirely different concept and approach to community advancement, to community building, and to cultural development. And I can speak to those 
after we've had other questions. I don't know. Gloria, you want to add to that? I think that if you listen carefully to what Ernie said, and, and you know, it, it's still a residual, is that um, I, I, I have never heard anybody have a conversation where the definition of being Hispanic Latino is not contrast or in comparison to mainstream. And that's where this whole concept of minority or diversity or all those things come up. And um, Ernie and I have a lot of discussions regarding this because one of the first shifts that needs to occur with our community is that we have to stop comparison. We, we have to stop the competition. It's like if that is always going to be the measure, you know, at some point people are going to say, we're never going to measure up. We're never going to have the money. We're never going to have the power position. It becomes a spiral. And, and, and this is one of the uh, psychological issues that I think that we've discussed and tried to integrate into the dialogue and the issues of, of the Latino community, and in particular as it relates to community equity building, because we've got to stop taking a look at what everybody else has. We've got to stop taking a look at what we don't have and, and create, create a permanent, sustainable shift that says, wait a second, because it's, if we continue to only judge ourselves by those two standards, and there's a couple of more that I use, uh, you know, we're never going to get around to taking at what we do have. And to me, what we do have uh, is defined talents in skill, in, in uh, international reference, in business development, in products. Is, you know, I mean, I don't think we, we, when you start taking, taking count, taking inventory of all, of everything, you know, I mean, you can put at the top of the list, you know, the Spanish language, but there's so many other things that you can just take a look at, you know, the most successful restaurants in this country are restaurants usually, you know, Mexican food. So, you know, it's, I'm just saying that, that in the beginning and as we go along and in this conversation, Julio, trying to define equity Again, I would really like for us to be sure that even even now as we talk about it, that we're not talking about it in comparison to or in competition with mainstream. Because the first shift has to be to say, what is it that we have inside ourselves? Because we can't build on it if we don't recognize what we have inside ourselves. And, and so both of you at different points talk about, you use the word a lot, a shift or um, having to have a different mindset mm -hmm. and at, you know, and on very surface level, one could see, Oh, community equity building and build assets, build resources, pretty positive, but it's much more than that. You know, I know that recently we say that community equity building is the outcome of NHI's work and mission. What, what does that mean to a to high school student, maybe a first time member or even a long-term member re-engaging what does that mean that community equity building is the outcome, you know, and, and that it requires a unique mindset? Well, I think that in, in our training, our approach to training, you know, if you take a look at what is it that we're doing, we're, we're 
the elements, and remind me again, Julio, because I, I may miss one or Ernie can chime in, is that we want individuals to know what it is to be in charge, to know governance. We also know that by giving young people and our communities, if you take a look at the different elements of what we say is, uh, are the criteria for community equity building, what we're saying is that, is that when, only when the community has the opportunity to be placed in a position to learn from itself, to gain experience and knowledge, is, and to be able to be in decision-making environments, is that all those things, and to be able to make sure that they are representatives of the community and that that knowledge remains behind, those are the fundamentals of being able to say, how do we build equity? Well, it comes participating, and it comes from practice, and it comes from grappling, just like Ernesto and I have, grappling with these concepts so that it, so, but how does it make sense to a student? How, the, rate, the way it makes sense to students is that you give them an opportunity to become, you know, uh, to be recognized for who they are in the presence of their peers and to be applauded and to be, to, to be innovative and people to say, that's a great idea. Most often than not, that is not the environment that they live in, even in public schools or even in private schools. Ernie, do you want to chime in? Well, <clears throat> I'm trying to get at this idea of shift, the, the idea of paradigm. A paradigm is a construct through which we view and interpret the world around us. And societies form paradigms for its citizens. The American paradigm is a free enterprise system, democracy, uh, one vote, whatever. Uh, the paradigm is about fairness and justice and equality. We know that in theory, that sounds great. We know that in reality, <laughs> and many times it doesn't exist at all, to the contrary, as a lot of Latinos and African Americans will tell you, and Native Americans and Asian Americans and so forth, and women and so forth. The paradigm cannot simply be for certain sectors of America. The promise of the benefits and the rewards cannot be either reserved for only some Americans and deny others. That's been the whole basis for civil rights. Inequality under the law, inequities under the law, inequities under policy, inequities in customs and practices. So shift that for a moment, because all of that comes with a vernacular. The majority and the minority, and the majority people rule, and the minority people don't. And it creates a mindset of disadvantage. I remember back in where I grew up in Houston, and my parents being the park directors. I knew his dad would tell me why those kids were angry, why they were so-called pachucos, because they had to wear secondhand shoes, because they had to wear hand-me-down clothes, because they didn't have enough to eat, because they didn't have any jobs, because they lived in large families and small homes, because they had secondhand cars, because they had bills they couldn't afford to pay, and they didn't have health benefits, and they worked at the lowest levels of salaries. You know, How, how does someone feel equal under those conditions? And so my 
used to say in sports, that tienes que cambiar la mente, como ven la vida. You have to change their mind life. Because if they didn't, they were going to lose. And I remember very distinctly that we would go into tournaments, softball or basketball. And, and, and the idea was not whether we were going to win, is how, how badly were we going to lose. And it would just upset my mother. And she would go, mm-hmm, porque? And they would get into these discussions, right? The Latino community, regrettably, in American society has been treated in that manner. We've been the workers. We've been the people at the lower end of the pay scales. And by design, we're the cheap workforce and so forth. How do you shift that mindset? You begin by presenting a different imagery. It's interesting how young kids think when you tell them that Spanish is the largest or the most spoken language in the Western Hemisphere. And take some time to calculate that. And I use the word calculate because they don't see it that way. They haven't been taught by books and teachers and institutions that that's a correct statement. When I say to young men and women, how can you be a minority in a hemisphere of 800 million and 23 Spanish-speaking countries? How is How are those concepts and why are those concepts being offered to you as something for you to ingest and define? culture and define yourself, define value and define your self-importance. So it's just clicking on a light switch and going, okay, change paradigms. No, you, it's a gradual process of introducing a different set of images, a different set of outcomes, a different set of values, a different set of lenses. And even they initially will reject it. Give you an example. In our language, in our vernacular, we talk about the um, the triangle theory. And it was kind of an interesting concept that we introduced for discussion in Colorado many years ago. And there were there was a triangle and there were three levels. There was a, the lower working class, there was the middle and the middle and the people at the top at the apex and much smaller numbers, but certainly in terms of wealth and wealth capacities at the very top. And the question was where do we occupy the, the space? Where do we rank as Latinos? And every kid, without even looking at it, at the very bottom. Now, what draws them to the conclusion is, is a belief, a perception. Every one of those kids will say at the bottom. And so the question then, what does it take to climb up to become the second layer and eventually the third layer? And they will automatically say to become like them. And what does that mean? Well, after you argue it for a while, they'll say, well, it means losing our language, losing our culture, becoming like them. That's a no-win situation, because we all know that you never become like something you're not. And yet they operate under that thesis, under that perception. If they go to UT, if they go to Harvard, it doesn't really matter. If they go to, if they go to University of Texas, it's the same dynamic. And so NHI comes in to help change the paradigm and also help change the narrative because the narrative eventually has to be internalized and why is or this else the paradigm doesn't occur. And why is this the approach? Like, why is, why is this the direction? I mean, I, to Gloria's point, we can compare community equity building to advocacy or, you know, compare it to something else. But why, 
in this era, especially the the immediate present where we are in a global, facing a global challenge, a global pandemic, right? Um, and everything is being thrown into question. Why is this pursuit for a Latino leader the way? You know, why, why, is, why is this a good prescription versus the way we're generally taught about leadership um, or civic engagement uh, or even learning? NHI sets a direction in this conversation and, you know, and saying, uh -huh. that, you know, it's community equity building. Uh, and right. even in your book, 20 years ago, you you make this analysis where this might be more appropriate. Why, why do you believe that to be true for a young high schooler um, who's wanting to engage the organization and become a leader for the long haul? Why, why equity building versus all the other forms of leadership presented to them in school or of the past? I got it. Because when you think of the way in which, through which Latinos operate, you know, another friend, um, uh, Merritt from, Stephen Merritt from Villanova once introduced the term, the heritage class to me. And when I was sitting there, I, I kind of knew what he meant. I kind of knew what he meant, but I wanted him to explain it. And of course he explained it as people who associated their identity and their culture with the arrival of the colonies in Britain and all those things, the heritage class, the people who built America. We know better, but if you rear children who belong to that society through the ages to view themselves as superior, as more privileged, as on top, as the ones responsible for, and as a rule makers, someone has to take the orders. Someone has to follow orders. So a kid with privilege doesn't have to worry that much about right of, right of passage. A kid who is not born under privilege, whether it's racial, social, economic, does have to worry about rights of passage. And the rite of passage also means someone else is determining my value. I don't determine my own value. Someone else says you can proceed forward. Whether it's joining a family, whether it's a job, whether it's a business, whether it's getting a student loan, it doesn't really matter. Someone else is giving me rite of passage. And the moment they give me rite of passage, I give up my right of being. So in third reality and in community equity building, the idea is ownership. The idea and concept is I give myself the right of passage. I give myself the power. I give myself my own sense of ownership and rightful place in the sun. I don't need somebody else to acknowledge that or pat me on the head or on the back. I don't need that. I, I self-validate and I create a culture of thinking that allows me to imagine and create and invent as a result. On the other level, I give, I'm given rite of passage and given instruction on what other bases I have to touch in order to proceed forward based on other people's judgment of my value and my competence and my skill. And if it's done on a heritage level, non-heritage level, I know who's going to win most of the time. And it's not going to be Latinos. It's just not going to be. As we are finding out 
with all this emphasis on 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 the, on on diversity and all that. The fact that more Latinos are going to UT doesn't change the power structures. Doesn't change who makes decisions. It really doesn't. And it's kind of funny, and it's also very sad. And so, Gloria, what are some uh, not what are some alternatives? Let me ask this again. What um, what kind of leadership or what kind of learning is required of a leader? that wants to pursue this type of a path, that of building equity in the community? Well, first of all, I'm going to respond. And, and most people who know or really know Ernesto and Gloria know that we don't agree all the time. And, and this has been the evolution of NHI. Uh, I said earlier, you know, we cannot live in a world of comparison and competition. And, and I'm going to use my personal experience uh, as, as what I think has been a training ground. Uh, uh, about two years ago at Celebración, a young in the Valley asked, what, did, what was it about growing up in the Texas Rio Grande Valley that helped you initiate uh, learning experiences that kids had at NHI? And even though I think instinctively I knew it, it wasn't until he asked me that question that I realized, particularly in the LDZ, that, that what I was trying to create was this environment of full acceptance, of encouragement, of, of, of having, being surrounded by people that believed in you and applauded you and felt like you could do anything you wanted to do. By being, by having role models around you, if you want to call it role models, of individuals who came from every sector of uh, the world. My growing up, I, I had attorneys, I had doctors, I had, you know, teachers, I had, you know, that were prof even professors at my university that were Hispanic, Latino. And so, but in that is that every experience that I personally grew up with was a very validating experience. And of course, because I grew up in a majority community, uh, that it, it wasn't until I moved to Austin that I thought, whoa, how are you trying to treat me? How, what do you think I am? Why, why do you think it's strange that I don't speak, you know, that I speak Spanish? You know, it was all of those things. And then through my genealogical research, you know, and through a lot of great Latino literature, I have, I have found that even through history, because remember, we didn't write that history, and the perception that is written about Latinos in history, what I have found is that in the Valley of South Texas, that Latinos weren't just laying back and being mistreated and just taking it. They were resisting. I mean, the Plan de San Diego, I mean, we, were, we had plans to take it all back. You know, I mean, there was just so, there's so much in there historically and through people. And I was telling Ernie that there, there was a, a post cemetery in, San, in Santa Rosa. And it's one of the oldest cemeteries in the valley. And they showed a tombstone and the person had been born in se like 1711. So that kind of, you know, it just, it's just a totally different image from what is being presented to Latinos, of Latinos, about Latinos. And my premise is, you know, that that, that has been the virus 
the virus has been in 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 injecting and allowing our children and future leaders to believe that somehow they are substandard or whatever you want to call them, okay, minority, substandard, you know, whatever, a worker class only, whatever. It's not true. It's not true. We have a totally different history, and you learned that through your uh, your fraternity, Julio. I mean, it just was a very empowering type of thing. Right. So, uh, so to me, uh, what I have always loved is is the whole concept of the mirror because. Everything that you think you're seeing is the total opposite. And and I think that crafting, crafting only happens when you totally reject what you see and do not assume that it applies to you. And so the NHI experience, the games, the strategies, the everything that the kids learn, you know, is to inject in them that underlying driving belief that first of all you have ability inside you all along you know that you can conquer any kind of fear or trepidation or whatever but more often than not that what you have to say has value that how you think is innovative and and that there are people right in your circle that believe exactly the way you do and that, to me, is how you create – you don't create a leader. You create a, an influence class. You create individuals who assure themselves that wherever they go, whatever they do, they can clearly articulate. Uh, when we were organizing the, the, the Austin kids uh, – Austin kids – the Austin alum, who, you know, I mean, I, I would be talking to alums, and I would say, you know, well, John Michael is an alum, and Marisa is an alum, and Rene Lara, and Missy Lopez, and, and, and they would go, really? really? We didn't know. We've met them. We thought they were amazing, but we didn't know they were NHI. And it was like, well, no wonder. No wonder they're so effective. So we are creating a culture of visible, recognizable, identifiable class and culture and group and and of individuals that are recognized as influencers and to me the shift is not to create leaders it's to create influencers as we kind of bring this conversation to to a close ernie gloria both of you what what are some things that we want our learners especially our first-time learners this year uh, and their parents, who are also part of the community, the NHI community, to to really remember and kind of know in a real like just kernel of a thought about community equity building and the learning they're going to do with the institute. I let me let me. By the way, I think Gloria just agreed with everything I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I've taught you well, honey. <laughs> <laughs> she taught me well. The team of Devian and Yeta. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll argue this. We'll argue this maybe later. <laughs> I, I think it was very important and interesting. And I think for the as we move forward, we're going to have to do more parental training and more adult training than ever before, because it's like the corona. If we try to work with the kids on a different kind of thinking that is to their, is based on our perception, based on our learning goals and learning aspirations and vision, 
and then it gets replaced with someone else's version, then we're right back to where we started. And I, I remember, and this is not a knock on public education, we would work with at-risk kids, what they perceived as at-risk. And we would have a great, great time with them. And they were doing things that they, the teachers were there and going, how do you make them do those things? They were, it was like amazing, never seen before. Young people getting up on microphones and being very articulate and arguing with each other over ideas and, and respecting each other's feelings and enjoying the, the, the affiliations they were fostering and so forth and respecting one another and so forth. And then one of the recommendations we'd always make them, when you go back to school on Monday, sit in front of the school, in front of the class, never in the rear, and always raise your hand to ask a question. Be thoughtful about the questions you ask. We wanted to equip them with a different framework of reference. And what was fascinating to me is that when they would do that, the teachers would automatically put them back in the back of the class because now they were talking too much. And the one thing that we have to take into consideration is that the work of an organization of NHI will only be as good as the community supports it. When the community contradicts it for because they don't understand it or because they feel threatened by it, because it's something they've never thought about, then we run a risk of taking a step back. Uh, that's, that's something that I want to leave behind to, to really think about because I think that one of our most important considerations and of the future needs to be how do we engage the adult community and organizations of Latinos and parents and school people and public leaders, you know, I, I, I need to kick this one in just to re underscore what I'm about to say. I, I want to very briefly speak to the issue of Julian Castro's candidacy for the presidency. You know, and I remember telling him very specifically, how much support do you think you'll get in Iowa or New Hampshire or Vermont or the Northeast? Well, they don't even know who Mexicans are. And I thought how thoughtless that he's supposed to develop a brand among a people who doesn't even recognize his existence as a culture in this country except to go pick berries. How utterly thoughtless. But we could bring the other hand that we had diversity on the stage. So it's very disappointing that when we do things to look good, and appear good by people in command, and we don't practice another strategy of inclusion and partnerships, that I think that the whole nation is going to suffer. And, and I think that we're going to forever be caught up in the grips of who's in charge and who, who really knows and who really doesn't know. And tomorrow's future and the future of this country is not no longer based on making those distinctions about a heritage culture and who made America great is based on how collaborative we are and how willing we are to be collaborative and supportive and integrative in terms of our, and our approach to find common solutions. 
Now, that has a lot to do with equity building, because if we don't think in those terms, if we only think in terms of profits and losses, making it or failing, then we're never going to get there, because at the end of the day, competition has its good points, but it certainly has its bad points. Someone has to lose, and we're tired of losing, and we will no longer learn to lose. Not through NHI. Julio, I want to say something for your question said for parents. Is what I wanted, I wanted to say something to the parents. You said first time parents or first time students yeah. that are being introduced to the National Hispanic Institute. What I would in like particular. to say, as in particular, yeah, is that uh, Ernesto Nieto and Gloria de Leon, you know, and from the Texas Rio Grande Valley, is that 40 years ago, more than four years ago, there was this personal belief in our own community and we personally decided that we could have been working anywhere else for decent better salaries you know coming from an educated community we know we both had college degrees and uh, but but one of the things that we realized is that if we had a choice if we had a choice we wanted to be working with our community we we wanted to do this full-time we wanted to be able to spend every living moment, you know, ingratiating and, and, and prompting the, the type of support that would make young people and communities grow. And, uh, and, and we also want sure any child that came through our, that, that we never doubted their, their talent their skills, their capacities, their intelligence, and that's the way we've always felt. So, again, when you say community equity building, that's where we started. We started with looking at our community from the very, very, very best and saying, you know, we're not going to teach you or change you with anything that your parents didn't give you. We believe in those same things. The only thing that we want you to know is that you're not alone. There's lots of lot of kids like you everywhere in this country and in Mexico, Central, and South America now. Is there's so many kids. So don't assume that you're the only one. Don't assume that there aren't young people like you because there are and there's a growing community. And our intent was to build that community, to build that community. And you know, Julio, because you're an alum, that any alum, first and foremost, I mean, at the drop of a hat, you guys could start a business together or go give a presentation together or travel together or have, have be the padrinos to your kids or whatever. You know, you wouldn't even think twice, and you don't. You don't, because what we've been able to create is this amazing community uh, you know, that, that truly represent what we've always been. And, and we're an amazing, contributing community. And all we've ever wanted to do was grow it more. And as you guys have grown up, and as you, you know, now you're, our, you're not, not only our staff, you're our policymakers on our board. You know, you're, you're the people that have taken root. And, and we, to this day, we, ne we never doubt. We never doubt what you guys can do and what you will do. And so we say to the new parent and to the new kids is you are going to be part 
of one of the most influential, uh, ethical, I hope, you know, I, I want to say, individuals that are going to really have take part in in developing a new uh, a, a new foundation for growing and becoming and exploring and creating and hopefully everything that you do and everything that you desire will will keep in mind how it can impact leverage and and build our community, the Latino community of the United States and Mexico, Central, and South America. Well, thank you both. And I look forward to continued conversations about other concepts that, you know, members uh, are either refreshing on or didn't hear or new members that are starting to go through their, you know, learning journey with the Institute and their early steps of membership. Um, Concepts like third reality, community social entrepreneurship, underlying beliefs and other concepts. So thank you both. And uh, this is uh, one in a series of different conversations we'll continue to have. Take care of yourself. Thank you for the call. Thank you, Julio. Thank you. For more information on the National Hispanic Institute, please visit our website, www.nationalhispanicinstitute.org. Call us at 512-357-6137. Find us on Facebook, at NHIHQ or on Twitter, NHI underscore news and at Instagram and Snapchat, NHI underscore news. Music by Andres Cotto.